0: Support for Extra 1063 comes from Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy, celebrating their 35th anniversary and offering gift cards in-store and online. You can discover Mother's Day and anniversary presents online at Natural Body Spa and Skin Remedy at naturalbody.com.
1: Before I get to my next guest, Kelly Stenzel, I want to give a shout out to a couple more of our sponsors, starting with our friends over at Two Under. Two under men's performance briefs are the official underwear of the 2021 U.S. Ryder Cup team, the captain and all vice captains. They are worn by more than 30 players on the PGA and Champions Tour. They are also worn by over 70 NCAA Division I colleges and 17 NFL teams. The Joey Pouch technology provides the ultimate male asset management, delivering maximum comfort, fit and performance from the golf course to the boardroom to the bedroom. Find these 200 performance men's briefs in over 4,000 golf pro shops nationwide, all Shields sports stores, PGA Tour Superstore, Golf Galaxy, and other fine retailers near you. Go online to 2 That's the number two, U N D R.com. 2UNDER performance in your pants. Use code ONTHET20 for a 20% discount at checkouts, not valid on items already on sale or NCAA licensed briefs. I also want to welcome a new sponsor to the show, Pine Valley Orthotics, and their founder, Stu Sakowitz. Did your feet, back, knees, and hips stop you from playing good golf or golf at all? Maybe plantar fasciitis or neuropathy is killing your golf game? Then you owe it to yourself to try a pair of Pine Valley Orthotics with a 30 day money back guarantee. Pine Valley Orthotics are uniquely designed with an energy return system not found in any other product. When you step down, they gently spring back, relieving foot pain and stress energizing your whole body, and they work. I love my Pine Valley orthotics. I've got them in my golf shoes, and I've got them in my dress shoes. In fact, Stu Sakowitz, the owner, is so sure that they're going to ease your pain, he's offering a 30-day money-back guarantee. If you want better balance and stability, treat yourself to a pair of Pine Valley orthotics today. Go to pinevalleyorthotics.com, and for a limited time, you can get these for only $99 and a 30-day money-back guarantee. That's only $99. Ease your pain, improve your game, and change your life. Only at PineValleyOrthotics.com. Okay, now next on the tee with me is Kelly Stenzel. Let me remind you about Kelly's background. She's from Geneva, New York, which is upstate between Buffalo and Syracuse. She played her college golf at Furman. During her senior season, she led Furman to a second-place finish in the NCAA Finals. After college, she played professionally for five years out on the Futures Tour, the European Tour the Asian Tour, the South African Tour, and the Australia Asian Tour as well. She turned her attention to teaching, and Golf Magazine has named her one of their top 100 instructors every year since 2009. Golf Digest named her one of the top 50 best women teachers in America, and Golfer Women Magazine has named her one of their top 50 instructors as well. Kelly is a PG of America master professional. She's written several great books, including The Women's Guide to Golf, The Women's Guide to Consistent Golf, and The Women's Guide to Lower Scores. Golf Magazine has also named her one of the most beautiful women in the game of golf. She is teaching down in Palm Beach, Florida now. Check out her website, kellystenzelgolf.com, and Kelly is K-E-L-L-I-E, Stenzel, S-T-E-N-Z-E-L, so kellystenzelgolf.com, and I'm delighted to have her back with me again tonight here on Next on the T. Hey, Kelly, how are you?
0: Chris, I'm great. How are you? I'm excited to be with you. And you know what? I'm feeling particularly uh, lucky here because you are now like this amazing like podcast top fifty number six. So I'm feeling super privileged to be with you tonight.
1: <laughs> I appreciate you saying that. It's all due to a great guest like you, my friend. There's no question about that.
0: That's great. Congratulations.
1: Thank you. Hey Kelly, it's it's been a, a minute since we had the opportunity to to spend some time together. I think the last time we spoke you and your son were playing courses in the northern part of the country out there around the Montana area. Catch us up. What's been going on with you?
0: Oh, yeah. You know what? We're still lucky. We get to go out west, and I teach a little bit in Jackson, Wyoming at Shooting Star, which is the most amazing golf club, and the members are fabulous. So what we do is we go out there, and I teach a little bit, and my son is kind of old enough now that he gets to work in the shop a little bit and help with the assistance and you know, he thinks he's the hot shot and, and then we take a little bit of extra time and travel out west. So we spend some time in Idaho and then we have some nice friends who are up in Montana. So we go up and see with, see them and we do all this outdoor stuff, which is so far removed from Florida. But I just feel like I'm so lucky because it's just very special out there. It's just a different summer because we spent so many summers in New York, which was wonderful too, but it's just kind of a nice change. We love it. But now so we're talk back in about Florida. So happy to be home. Talk about some of the courses
1: that you had an opportunity to play along your travels up in that area because you know, some of the vistas that I've seen for the courses in Montana are absolutely breathtaking. I'm dying to get up there. I tell my wife all the time, we're going to Montana. So talk about some of the opportunities, some of the courses you had the opportunity to go check out along the way.
0: You know, we we spent an awful lot of our time at Shooting Star. It's just It's just this very special golf course. So because I'm so busy teaching, well and it what's nice is it's light until about nine o'clock at night. So we'll kind of scoot out after my teaching day and we can play eighteen holes if we want to. But we played a really nice course over in, in Driggs, Idaho called Tributary, which was absolutely beautiful and and we just loved it. And it was a kind of a special place. It was, you know, all kinda of down this little valley with these just beautiful, you know, rivers running through it and you get to see the Tetons, which are very very special, but it's also it's nice for us. You know, we get to do other things besides just golf. So we do a lot of hiking, and then we stay with some some good friends of ours who have horses. So you know, it's it's just a bit of a world away from Florida. And then we also have friends who are up in Montana. So we played some beautiful courses up there. But you know, a lot of our time is doing things other than golf, which is which is really fun too.
1: Kelly, switching gears a little bit, there are so many positive things happen. Happening right now in in women's golf, the Solheim Cup has been great the last couple of years. The amazing leaderboard we saw on the women's side in the Olympic Games, where so many different countries were represented there in the top twenty-five. Plus, the Augusta National Women's Amateur event is is going strong. How do you feel about what you're seeing regarding the growth of the game on the women's side?
0: Well, first of all, I'd like to start with it. I'm just completely jealous how far they hit it. <laughs> I mean these. <laughs> <laughs> young ladies and women, they just kill the ball. So I maybe I need to take a lesson from them, but you know, it's it's fun to see kind of the growth of the game and how well women are doing, like Jessica Corda and the year that she had was just amazing. I mean, it's just kind of fun to watch, not only the way she plays, but the way she handles herself. You know, I just think and I think that's a lot that your audience can probably learn, you know, from watching these women play. It's just The scores that they're shooting, it's nice to see that there's, you know, so many birdies and so many low low scores. But I just think it's been kind of a heck of a year for the women's golf.
1: Kelly, I want to switch gears and talk uh, about some playing lessons because you've got so many great ones on your your website. Again, KellyStenzelGolf.com. You posted one not that long ago about four ways to save par and go low. Do you mind sharing those tips with us?
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny. It, golf is funny. I, we, a good friend of mine, Kathy Hart and I used to travel and we used, used to always joke, we're like, good shot, good person, bad shot, bad person, because you definitely can kind of run that emotional roller coaster when you're playing. And, you know, when you go out on the golf course, I think there are just opportunities to, whether it's have a birdie or have a par or even make like a really good bogey, which a lot of, a lot of rounds you have good bogeys and they keep you from really having higher scores, but you know, obviously, like, if you drive the ball well, and you can drive the ball far, you're going to have a a lot shorter shot into the green, you know, or if you're a particularly good iron player, that's another opportunity, you know, if you get yourself in trouble, you can maybe get yourself out of it. But I'm, I'm kind of a big fan of having like a great short game, especially for women, because we don't typically hit it quite as far. And it's about managing risk. So if, if you were to go out to the golf course and just follow this very simple rule of putt whenever you can putt, chip when you can't putt, and hit that high pitch shot that goes up and over something that's really in the way. If you just if you're simply stick to that kind of simple rule, it's very easy to keep your scores very manageable and very reasonable. So I just think there are opportunities out there. And when you get into trouble, like don't try to be the hero. There's nothing wrong with a bogey. I've never had a really bad round that had anything worse than bogey. So I think a lot of times it's just recognizing, okay, I've made a mistake. That happens. I'm okay with it. I'm just going to play smart, try to get myself onto the green, two putt, and get to the next hole.
1: So to that end, and I think that's something that most of us don't do. We, we, we try to play that hero shot. And we're in the trees. Well, you know what? I, if I can sit around this tree and hit it in the air and I can curve it around that, bunker and landed on the green i can still make birdie or i can still make a par and, and and we don't practice that shot we're not out there in the trees practicing that cut shot and how to do it but in our minds we're Phil Mickelson and we think we can do it how do how do we not get ahead of ourselves to your point walk away with a bogey take your medicine walk away with bogey go to the next tee versus you know thinking we're we're Phil Mickelson and we can pull off these miracle shots
0: that's interesting chris cuz i think a big part of it is understanding what you're watching on tv you're watching the best players playing their best golf hitting their best shots so you know if they cut away to somebody who's not even doing well in the tournament and you see them like okay he's got a 30-foot putt you know he's going to make it otherwise they (laughs) wouldn't cut away to him i mean it's just like this false sense of reality but i also think that you know when you're playing and you make a mistake and let's say you have a really high score you're going to learn from it i pl- remember i played in a futures tour event which was a long time ago in york pennsylvania and I had this really nice man who was caddying for me and i and i played really badly and like two weeks later he was really sweet he sent me this book which was like great players who've had disaster holes which was like Really nice of me to send me this book, but it was just like kind of salt into the wound to like reinforce (laughs) how poorly I had played, and probably was telling me like even though I didn't quite get it at that point that yeah you probably should be teaching and not playing, but I think you just learn from your (laughs) mistakes as well. You know, you have like a double digit next time maybe you won't try to go through the trees.
1: You mentioned the shot a moment ago as well the the high shot that we have to hit to get over an obstacle, typically a bunker, maybe some water. and that's a tricky shot for a lot of us because we get afraid of it and we desell it and we either chunk it and it goes in the water anyway or into the, or into the truck or maybe we accelerate a little too much and then we've, we've scalded and we've hit it way over the green. Talk about finding the touch on those kinds of shots and how not to fear it.
0: Yeah, I mean, and once again, it kind of goes back to like a learning experience where we've all hit the shot meant to go up and over something and the club hits the ground and it just digs. So the good news is is that there are a lot of golf clubs now that have a tremendous amount of bounce. And bounce is like this ro- rounded bottom of a club. And what that I equate that to is a rock skipping across water. So if your golfer can get a club with a ton of bounce on it and learn to set it properly on its bottom, and I think that's the key, because these lofted clubs look open because they're so lofted. And if they're sitting properly on their bottom. The leading edge actually sits off the ground, and the face just looks like it's kind of pointing to the sky. But the beauty of it is that when you take that club and you just slam it into the ground, it doesn't dig. And if it's digging, you either don't have the club sitting properly on its bounce or you're pushing the handle too far forward. If you're hitting a high pitch shot, the handle should point to the center of your body. So if you take that practice swing, and you literally, I'm not exaggerating, if you slam that club into the ground, it should not dig. And then the beauty of that is if you know that you can bang the club into the ground and it doesn't dig, then you don't get afraid to hit the ground. So a lot of times it's just about finding a club that, you know, has that proper bottom design, that bounce, that when it hits the ground, that it, that it glides. Like really take those practice swings, let them really bang into the ground. And you should really hear that thump, but it shouldn't dig. So a lot of times it's just about setting up really well, and and as I'm on a kind of a roll here, Chris, I think that's what you're seeing is these golf, even the tour players, because they have so much bounce on the bottom of these clubs, it doesn't matter if they hit the ground before the ball, because the club just glides. So pitch shots, really, just the key is just finding a club that really interacts with the turf well, and then... Once you see it, it's not going to get stuck into the ground, there's no reason to ever get afraid to hit the ground and scull it across the green.
1: so is that a, a that sounds like a great lesson and advice to us because I think when we're out trying to buy wedges we're we're not necessarily focused on bounce. We typically focus on I mean you know you see the wedges nowadays there's so many different grinds that we may be trying to find this grind or that grind or, or what have you, or we look to our favorite player and well, what do they play? And we're not, as you mentioned earlier, we're not them. Is that something, is is a a high bounce wedge or set of wedges, something for for the most of us that are weekend warriors, we should be looking for more bounce on our wedges?
0: Yeah, it's funny, 100%. It it gets a little bit of a kind of a misnomer that people think like bounce is a bad thing. That is absolutely not the case. But And one of the companies that I work with is Truespeck, and they do a lot of kind of fitting of different wedges. And and having, I'd say having the proper bounce is as important, if not more important, than having kind of the right loft combination. Because the same thing in the sand, you know, if you're hitting a bunker shot and you've got the right degree of bounce, that club just glides right through. You know, for your golfers to maybe feel like when you're in the sand and the club just gets stuck, that's a sign that they don't have the right bounce or maybe they're pushing the handle forward. Like leaning a handle forward in a pitch shot is just a disaster because even if you have a lot of bounce, if you lean the handle more forwards in a degree of bounce, then you've negated it. So getting a club that not only fits you well, but learning how to set it up properly, kind of pointing to your center. And then release patterns are also a little bit different in pitching. But, like, you know, I'm a big fan of these high bounce wedges because even if you make a mistake and you lean the shaft a little bit too much, the club should save you if it is the right club. They're like miracle workers.
1: And, Kelly, you've got so many great video lessons out on your website. One of my favorites is how to hit more solid iron shots as we talk about bounce and things of that nature because sometimes I struggle with my scoring irons, particularly 8-iron, 9-iron, and those full wedge shots. How can we do a better job of making solid contact and getting the ball up in the air and staying online?
0: line? Yeah, one of, the, one of the things that I've kind of moved into, Chris, a little bit is I've got a couple of full-length videos on Amazon Prime. One is full swing and the other is short game. And those really talk a lot about good, solid contact almost always comes from posture. So when I see, like, a good golfer who's hitting really solid iron shots, which they have this, like, sound to them that's just, like, you can hear it. But it it, contact comes from good posture, getting bent forward from your hips so that your hands hang right below your shoulders because your hands and your arms will want to return to where they hang. Like in Justin Thomas comes to mind, like you look at him set up, his back is perfectly straight, he's bent forward, his hands hang right below his, sho- his shoulders. You look at him and you think, how can he ever miss the ball? So a big part of it is, is the posture. But I also think kind of a secondary part is really being being willing to let your trail arm. So let's assume you're a right-handed golfer. When, when you swing the club back, your right elbow would fold. In order to get that club all the way back down and into the turf, that right elbow, that right arm has to straighten all the way. Almost like you feel like you're throwing a ball in your, in your hand straight down to the ground. And it's funny because a lot of people will think about their lead arm. They'll think about their left arm if they're a right-handed golfer. But if you get into good posture and you straighten that trail arm down like you're throwing a ball straight down, What that allows you to do is not only move athletically because your body will react to that arm straightening, but that gets the club all the way down to the turf. And I think, you know, golf's funny because the way a golf ball gets into the air is, you know, ball and then turf. And that requires you to really be willing to extend that trail arm down and let your body react to it athletically.
1: Kelly, let's talk about club selection when we're around the green and we're chipping because... There's, there's so many different shots we can play. There, you know, do I do I take a seven or an eight iron and hit it low and let it release and run towards the hole? Do I use a, a sand wedge or a lob wedge or do I simply just putt it? What are some things we should consider when we're sort of trapped in between which kind of shot do I need to play here?
0: Yeah, it's that's, that's such an interesting question because I see so many of my, my students and, and more new students think that... I'm close, therefore I should use a sandwich. wedge. And that can really kind of get the golfer into trouble because like we've discussed earlier, if you don't hit the ground, the ball is gone. So I I tell my students that I want to see you be able to hit both a high shot and a low shot from 10 yards, 20 yards, 30 yards, 40 yards, 50 yards. You do not want my golfers to equate a shot with a distance. So to go back to chipping, which would be, kind of defined as a lower and running shot that kind of looks a lot like a putting stroke with a narrow stance, gripping down and your weight forward. What I've really evolved to is that if your golfer can determine what is their most comfortable stroke size, like get set up for chipping, gripping down, stance narrow, weight forward, make a little putting stroke that brushes the grass. Because some golfers like little strokes that might be like shin to shin, or some golfers like a little bigger stroke that might be a little bit less than hip-to-hip. So define your most comfortable stroke size and then hit all of your clubs. Hit your sand wedge. Hit your gap wedge. Hit your pitching wedge. Hit your 9-iron. Hit your 8-iron. Hit your 7-iron. And make your own short game chart rather than me trying to express upon each golfer, well, this is the right size for chipping because every golfer is different. So if you can just define your most comfortable stroke size for chipping and then literally, like, hit all those clubs, And maybe even throw in a hybrid, try your five hybrid, try your four hybrid. And then you've got your own personal short game chart for your lower and running shot that you're comfortable doing.
1: Kelly, how do turf conditions play into which club we should chip with? If the ground is hard and dry versus it's just recently rained, we know it's going to get colder here very soon. And our friends up in the northern part of the country are going to be dealing with harder ground, harder fairways, harder greens. How should turf conditions play into what kind of shot we're going to play?
0: It's funny, Chris. Like the first thing that comes to mind is that everybody should just come down to Florida and visit us down here. <laughs> 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 it's not, probably not going to get that cold. And the turf conditions aren't going to change that much. We'd love to have everybody down here in Palm Beach, Florida. But, you know, I think that what you deal with a lot of times when it gets cold and wet is more kind of thick grass where the ball can sit down a little more and And the more the ball sits down, the more you really just need to kind of change your leaning toward the target. So most adjustments are made in setup so if if I've got a ball that's really sitting down in some deep long grass, what I'll do is I'll lean a little bit more toward the target so that my forward shoulder drops lower and when that forward shoulder drops lower, it takes whatever your chosen club is and it takes loft away so Whatever club you would use, you would just lean a little bit more toward the target and then just increase the loft so if you use a nine iron you might use a pitching wedge instead so you're just really having to deal with the conditions get a little more difficult and it's it's interesting because it's kind of a good general rule is the worse the lie the more you want to lean toward the target because when your shoulders get a little deeper or your forward shoulder gets a little lower it helps that club hit the ball before the stuff that might get in the way
1: another one of your tips that i love is the one where you show The ball kind of nestled in the rough that's off the back of the green, and you have an interesting tip for hitting that shot with a putter. Should we adjust our posture and hit that shot with a putter? How do we do that? Talk us through that.
0: Yeah, that was kind of a, a shot that almost came out of necessity. So I was teaching at Atlantic Golf Club in Bridgehampton, New York, where I taught for a lot of years. Wonderful club with a lot of really nice members. And it was always in just phenomenal condition. Like everything was just perfect. And the greens were just lightning fast. Then the ball would roll like just off the green and it would kind of nestle down into the long grass around the edges of the green or like a little chip shot or pitch out was just really difficult because you had to have this incredible touch that even I couldn't do, even when I was playing a lot. So I I almost kind of, kind of came out of necessity because it was just such a tough shot. So if you're, golfer were to set up just like they were going to put even if the ball's sitting down and i and i do this all the time like this summer at shooting Starry, i'm like okay at the very end of a golf i like i got a trick for you you know you can really like take that ball and you can just step on it just push it down and let's say it's one to two steps off the green if you set up with your putter and as i was kind of discussing before if it's a really bad lie you just lean more forward if you lean ex- toward the target and you drop your forward shoulder, let's say it even drops like 12 inches, and you make a normal putting stroke because your shoulders are at such a greater angle and the putter naturally comes at such an angle, what happens is the putter kind of glances down the back of the ball and the ball actually pops into the air and it jumps right over that little bit of longer grass. So it becomes kind of a non-issue that you think like this grass is going to get in the way. And it doesn't because the ball does this little pop in the air thing. The challenge becomes like convincing yourself that you don't have to hit it harder just because of that angle of attack changing and the ball having that little kind of jump up and over. So it's really fun. Like I almost always do it at the end of golf schools, you know, when I'm a visiting instructor because people are like, wow, that's like they think it's magic. But it's, you know, it's obviously just kind of physics.
1: And speaking of schools that you do, last week you did a clinic at the Palm Beach Par 3 course. Talk about the things that you go over in those clinics and by chance do you have any more of those coming up?
0: Yeah, you know what I'm trying to do a little bit differently this year is do more small group instruction. So, you know, my website has a lot of that information on it. But what what I like to do is spend a little bit of time on the driving range and then get out to the golf course. Because once the technique is pretty good, then there's that kind of next big step of how do I take these skills and how do I apply them on the golf course? And I think that's a lot of times what's missing in golf lessons. So when I do any like half-day school or full-day school or even a, a two-day school, we try to spend a lot of our time on the golf course because, you know, you can learn the shots and you can learn, you know, the good technique with your golf swing. But it's, it's learning the the pre-shot routine. It's understanding shot selection it's to even taking a second and writing down all your clubs and knowing how far they go. You know, I like to really build out yardage charts and short game tags so that, that my golfers, that once they kind of leave any time with me, that they're, they really feel like they have almost their own little script for their golf.
1: Kelly, just a couple more before I let you go. And a little bit ago, you mentioned Skillist. Talk about what Skillist is and how people can go out there and get a swing analysis and video lessons from you.
0: Yeah. One of, you know, as I said, it's, you know, every year is a little bit different, but I feel like there's a lot of kind of a younger generation that likes to kind of learn their golf online and doesn't really feel as comfortable in front of an instructor. So one of the things I'm doing is spending some time on skill That's S K I L L E S T where um, I'm giving online golf lessons. I've really kind of dropped my rate to a very reasonable rate just to truly try to kind of grow that side of my business. So it's fun because I get to, you know, golfers who were in London and in Australia and kind of all over the world. So, golfers kind of send me their videos and I take a look at it. And um, what's nice is it's a very uh, it's a very great uh, product and program where I can text with the student. They tell me what their misses are. And it's a very collaborative communication. So, it's been really enjoyable. And it's, for me, it's a way for me to reach students that I might not see face to face, but they're all over the world and it's been really fun.
1: Kelly, before I let you go, let our listeners know, how can they stay up to date with all the great things you're doing, whether it's following you online on your website or over social media?
0: Yeah, you know, the easiest way to reach me is kellystenzelgolf.com. And, you know, what I'd love to say is, you know, we would love to have everybody come down here to Florida. And and if you want to bring a small group, reach out to me and, and we'll help design something kind of special for you and your family or, you know, your group of girls or your group of guys or any corporate event. So. Probably the best way to reach you is on my on my website.
1: Well, Kelly, it's always a lot of fun having you as part of the show. I can't thank you enough for coming back and, and joining me tonight. Uh, you're fantastic. I hope uh, we get the privilege of catching up with you again soon.
0: Yeah, thanks so much, Chris. And as always, I just think you're a rock star, and you just do an amazing job, so I appreciate it.
1: I appreciate that very much, and you. Take care, Kelly. All the best to you and your family. Stay safe. I look forward to catching up with you again soon. Thanks, Chris. See you, Kelly. That's a great Kelly Stenzel,
0: K-E-L-L-I-E,
1: Stenzel, S-T-E-N-Z-E-L. So KellyStenzelGolf.com is the website. So much great content on the website, folks. I can't recommend it highly enough, or Kelly, for that matter. She She's earned every bit of being a top 100 instructor because she's fantastic. You heard it on all the tips that she just gave us and the answers she gave and, and uh, just her general demeanor and that sort of thing makes it so good to have a uh, great talent like that as part of the show. So I can't thank Kelly enough. We look forward to catching up with her again. next. Okay, my friends, it is time for me to put a bow on this episode of next on the T my sincere thanks again to Tom Patrick, Donnie Hammond, Dr. Bern Bernanke and Kelly Stenzel for joining me tonight. Please check out our website, next on the dot net to keep up to date with what our guest schedule looks like. And folks next week is going to be the last episode for season number eight. It has been such a fun season, and my thanks again to all of you and to my guests for making it so much fun. And we're going to go out in style. Scheduled to join me next week are Champions Tour pros John Cook and Olin Brown, plus former PGA Tour player Tim Simpson, who has also become a wonderful friend of the show over the years. We'll be back. And then my last guest voice I always want you to hear before we end the season is that of either Matthew or Mitch Lawrence. And Matthew will be my final guest this year. So it's gonna be a great show. I hope you'll come back and be a part of it with us. You can stream this show as a podcast on a number of great podcasting sites and apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, Audio Boom, Player.fm and Podcast.co. Folks, thank you again for choosing to listen to this show tonight and keeping us a part of your golfing content. Until next week. Hit him straight, my friend.